And we're back. Hi, Missy. Hello, Sam. Oh, we should just get right into it. Should we start with our primary purpose? Absolutely. Our primary purpose is for Misty and Sam to grow their friendship and maybe help others. And maybe help others. Um, What's been on my mind a lot is um, one of our sister fellowships called ACA, Adult Adult Child of Alcoholic. Um, it's actually ACAD, <laughs> Adult Child of Alcoholic and Dysfunctional Families, um, mm-hmm. formerly known as ACOA, <laughs> um, lowercase o for the of. Um, we've mentioned it in our prior um, episode um, about how we both, I think, are fully aligned on how ACA is the trunk of the tree. Um and then the other fellowships and 12-step programs, money, food, beverage, sex, um, are the branches of that core tree. Do, have you, do, do you still believe that or have you changed your mind? <laughs> nope. Still on that one. Love it. Okay. Um, so I wanted to bring it up because this for me is like true, true core. Alcohol for me was the presenting issue. Uh, and then sex and money and all the other things. And I, you know, did a little merry-go-round around all these fellowships. Um, but at the core, um, those those are presenting uh, as the problem. But at the core is my relationship and my connection to myself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so where do we start? I mean, do you want to share what your, how you you came through or have found it or yeah yeah I'm happy to I'm happy to um yes I'm so glad you said that it's uh you added the d on the ACA because a lot of people think oh my parent wasn't an alcoholic so that program's not for me Hmm. and they have updated it to include dysfunction and I mean who doesn't have a dysfunctional uh, growing up. I don't know. I want to meet that person. But I dismissed so many things that people said would be helpful. And ACA was one of them. I, and I just have always felt like I know better. And um, AA is where it's at. And then at about 28 years, I was hitting a bottom in relationships, Mm -hmm. romantic, friendship, everything. And I found myself on the beach, in the sand, bawling my eyes out. And with 28 years of sobriety and sponsoring people and doing steps for 30 years and going to meetings for 30 years and doing the 12 and 12 and doing the traditions and doing concepts and speaking and everything just going should I walk in the ocean and like I'm obsessed with my child like and I'm not one who's ever even had those kind of thoughts so it really shook me to my core and speaking of my core that's what 
I don't even remember who said ACA in that moment or how it happened, but there was a meeting on a Saturday night at the original farmer's market. And I went down there and was more the first time I ever stepped in a meeting, I felt home. And this was like home on another level. And since then, I have come up with the tree analogy because what I realized was alcohol was my solution for these core things. Mm. Shopping is my solution. Relationships, being outside of myself was my solution for not being able to live inside myself. And ACA is slowly teaching me how to live inside myself, no matter Mm. what's going on on the outside. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I am so grateful to you because I, you, I, I know we had had a conversation. You're like, I'm getting a lot from this program, ACA. And I'm like, I wish I qualified. And you're like, oh, sweetie, there's, it's dysfunctional families. I was like, oh, it needs to be ACAD, Missy. (laughs) I was like, we sure have dysfunction. And it's dysfunction junction. And not that we're a fan of numbers, but I was reading this Bradshaw book about, you know, family systems. And I think they clocked it in the 90s as like 95% dysfunctional, some sort of dysfunction. You know, it could be all different types. Um, right. But what I know is my experience is that it skipped a generation. So when I did open the literature, this whole thing of para-alcoholics and, you know, that they take on the traits of somebody with alcoholism, but aren't necessarily drinking. Um, I see, I saw in my, uh, childhood house growing up, but it skipped the generation of my parents. So interesting. Yeah. You're reminding me that I had a, or I have a stepdad who never drank and it's because his, you know, dad did. And so he never drank, but his rage and the way he went about in the world and reacted was like, okay, something's wrong. (laughs) Maybe you should have a drink. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, somebody had sent me this, I think it was an Oprah podcast about, you know, the patterns that one follows, you know, and I became hyper aware of these relational patterns to myself and to others um, in the beverage, in AA, you know, which is my primary program. And they didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily have the tools. I had the awareness of, oh, here we go again, same person, different name, same vibration, emotionally unavailable, blah, 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 whatever those those things were. Um, but it didn't necessarily give me a path to healing. And the path I knew intuitively was inward, but the language that ACA provides of, you know, the critical parent versus the loving parent, and then the inner child's and then the teen are, for me, have been so profound. I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm honestly tearing up just thinking about how grateful I am that this was introduced because it goes back to what we talked about before with the 20 foot snow embankment on either side and the one way of the grocery store. Like, yes, I did have almost 30 years of sobriety. I had been sponsoring people. I was doing the steps. I had a sponsor. I was going to meetings, like all the things. And yet my relationships were suffering because there was a software programming that said, 
I'm not enough and I need all of you outside of me to behave a certain way for me to be okay inside. And they weren't doing it, Sam. Mm. weren't doing it. And finally, ACA has given me the option to, you know, just see a little bit past the snowbanks. What I find really, um, it's just like that, ha, huh, okay, there's an answer, <laughs> you know, is yeah. that it is all encompassing. So it mm-hmm. it talks about like the extremes, right? So the person that's high functioning, that's, you know, a lot of the relationships aren't that deep. There are a lot of surface and they don't feel connected. Like I really identify with that thing you know and and that's ultimately what I've recreated that's how my parents were you know we didn't talk about feelings they were either angry or isolated Um, right and so for me to actually express feelings in a safe space is like so like whoa what's happening you know um the whole concept of a loving parent I I don't know what that is you know um and um yeah. And I think the the one thing that's really getting me lately is the, the whole thing of fellow traveler where it's not this above or below, it's like same level, you know, and that level of vulnerability is something that I'm not used to. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm glad you're mentioning the literature in the book because it's a fairly recent written book. So the language is pretty modern and they took years and years and years to release it. Like people were asking for literature and for their, for them to have their own big book, uh, so to say. And they kept working on it until they felt like it was at it at the right place to, to be of service. And the literature really speaks to me. It is profound. Yeah. Um, at my core, I really love that um, this was an offshoot. My understanding was of Alateen. There was a guy named Tony A mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was like, F this. We're doing our own thing. Right. So it's the angsty teen being like, no, this is what we I actually need. You know? Yes. Yes. It's so good. Like the angsty teen advocating for what's right. And guess what? The angsty teen knew better than the old timers. Yeah. Because it was like the Alateen was just a cut and paste placeholder, right? Of the co- of the codependent slash Alanonic. And it was like, okay, here we go. Here's something for the teens, you know? I think that's a really good point because Alanon always makes me feel like an angsty teen. Mm-hmm. So if they were just trying to like superimpose an Al-Anon on all these teenagers, I can see how the rebellious nature was born and thank God for it. Mm. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, What's coming to me is some of the language that they've used. I think, you know, Tony A created his own 12 steps initially and then, you know, whatever uh, World Services Organization for, for ACA ended up finalizing what their steps and all of that language looked like. And I think um, their fourth steps had something like not abandoning, you know, fearless inventory or something. There was this like gentle, loving language, you know, that was very self-aware. But I think the final version um, 
is closer to what AA's 12 steps look like, but they do still use both of them. Um, and then the other part is that, that I think he initially wrote, we were addicted to fear and then they shifted it to, we were addicted to excitement. Interesting. Cause I find those to be two different sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like the two ends and the two extremes and top of the heap, bottom of the heap kind of thing. Yep. So I think it's interesting that they would change it instead of excitement or fear. Yeah. Well, I think they did excitement. I don't know how 100 this is, but I think it's because they thought the fear would turn people away. But I don't really know how true that is. What I do know is that whole internal drugstore, which I totally identify with. And the, the drugs can be, you know, numbing and or depressive, right? Depressants, you know, and or the other, you know, the whole gamut of, you know, what's available to us on the physical plane as far as drugs, you know, which activate the dopamine and serotonin and um, all of those other internal things. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is just before I think I got into this work, I went to this meeting and this young girl was talking and this flash came in my head of our baseline of worthiness Mm. that all of us feel no matter depending on how we grew up and what environment and that our brains will go to our body to get the chemical reaction to get us to that baseline. Mm. And so if I feel 30% unworthy at my job, then no matter how everything comes in, my brain will take that information and process it, use the chemicals within my body of fear and excitement or whatever to get me to that 30% of unworthiness. And that's why I'm saying it's almost like a software, like you cannot fix the mind that somebody else broke it. Yeah. I have a question. What? Have you found any practices or tools that and or been aware of of progress? That's a really great question. An amazing amount of progress. An amazing amount of progress. And, you know, the tools, a lot of them are self-talk. Yeah. Where I just go, it's okay, baby girl, that you feel scared to, it's the scary Sundays and you know that there's emails you should look at and you don't want to do them till tomorrow morning. That's okay. You can wait till tomorrow morning and the consequences will be you're going to feel really rushed. So whatever you want to do and just kind of talking to myself out loud and making that more normal than than uncomfortable, like getting to eat my own best friend and like I've said the the higher self I feel much more connected talking to my higher self than my higher power and the way I look at it is my higher self is my best self wants the best for me loves me so much and maybe my higher self talks to God but I'm just we're not there yet like they can do their own little (laughs) check-in but I just right now feel very comfortable talking to my higher self did I buy a stuffed animal off of Amazon that's like an adult stuffed animal? <laughs> they have them. It looks like a blanket stuffed animal. And I have that. And whatever. We're working with that. And Love it. It's pretty cool. Um, and then there was something else. A lot of the 
yeah, just the self-love. I noticed, well, oh, I know what I was going to tell you is that the way that I can tell that it's so different is I had someone call me when I was at work the other day and it's someone who doesn't go to meetings that much. And by not much, I mean in the last two years. Mm. And they, as we started to just have a chit chat, I realized they jumped on me and were upset about something I said. Mm. And I realized what I said wasn't that it wasn't like the reaction on the other end was too big for what I had said. Yeah. And for once in my life, maybe it's been other times, but this one, I was so cognizant and so aware this isn't about me. Wow. And I let them be upset and I got off the phone with them and I just went back to work. Um, I was not bawling. I wasn't upset. I wasn't afraid they were going to leave me. I was like, if they need to leave, they need to leave. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Like mm -hmm. it was so great to let somebody have their experience and not immediately make it about me and my fear and abandonment. Like it was like, yeah, yeah, maybe they're upset. That's so awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I literally was smiling all over inside and out when you were talking about this self-talk and doing it aloud. Follow us on IG at BCY Sponsor. Part two tomorrow. Question. Comment. Concern bcysponsor at gmail.com